glad that you're here. If you've not been with us over the past couple of weeks, we've started a new service on hope. And, you know, we laugh and, you know, we, we pick fun because Christmas is supposed to be this joyous time of the year. And we sing, you know, what's your favorite Christmas song? Lisa Bell, what's your favorite Christmas song? Joy to, joy to, now when you give a Christmas song, now you're supposed to sing it, so would you please, I'm just, <laughs> somebody else, what's your favorite Christmas song? Yes, Deb, what did you, Mary, did you know? Somebody else? Silent Night, you know, and we talk about Silent Night, Peace on Earth, Mary, did you know, Joy to the World, but the reality is this, Jeffrey, man, Christmas isn't always joyful, is it? Life isn't always joyful, and I think we forget that the time, the season that we're, we're coming into, when we start talking about Jesus' birth, that Jesus was born in a time that there was a tremendous amount of darkness, a tremendous amount of pain. There was a lot of oppression that was going in and around the people at that time, and, and here it was, a, uh, the Jewish believers holding on to the, to the to the prophecy that a Messiah would be born and that they would be saved. And there was, there was a consistent hope. And so for generation after generation, you had a, a, a chosen people that hoped and that lived out obedience, believing that the Messiah would be born. But the reality was this. Generation after generation had died off with the fulfillment of the prophecy of the birth of Christ not taking place. So in the midst of that, you had people that began to lose hope. They began to, to feel despair. And, and the truth was, there were many that left and walked away from their faith and believed that what they had heard and what they had been taught and the prophecy that had been, had been given was nothing more than a myth. That's hard to understand. Yet there was a remnant that continued to hold on and believe that the Messiah would come. And so you have amidst all this hopelessness and despair, and I, and I think it's really hard for us to understand the oppression and the things that were going on in that time, but here you've got this, this remnant that held on believing that the Messiah would come. And how many times in our lives are we facing oppression, are we facing hopelessness, and we are too, we are too expecting for the coming Messiah, yet He has already come it's easy to miss it but at this time of the year we celebrate because hope has come melissa listen and of all the things that it may seem life as hopelessness jesus the messiah emmanuel god with us has come and we don't have to live in that hopelessness anymore we don't have to live that way because he's come um, we talked last week and we, we had shared uh, a talking about hope, and this is how we defined hope, that it was a confident expectation based on something solid, that, that our hope isn't based on a myth, but it's based on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that here he was, Emmanuel, born, God with us, and he came in the form of the man and, man, and he would live amongst us, and he would become the Passover lamb, that he would become the lamb of God that would be sacrificed to our sins. And he would die on a cross. He was crucified, and yet he would raise, be raised on the third day. 
And you know, in life, we talked about this, we can spend so much time and energy trying to, trying to bypass the issues of life or bypass the circumstances that are difficulties. And we can run. How many of you like to run towards a conflict? We try to bypass them as much as possible, whatever that situation or circumstance might be. And we can spend so much time and energy trying to bypass or circumvent circumstances of life but it wouldn't it be so much easier instead of trying to bypass that what we would do is we would anchor ourselves into something that was lasting, something that was, that was full of hope. And that's what the scripture says in reference to our hope in Christ, that it's an, it's an anchor for our soul, that when the midst of everything that may be wishy-washy, moving, uh, shaking, all those things happening, when the mountains seem to be rumbling, that we don't have to be shaken because our hope can be in Christ, in Christ alone. Um, you know, when Meredith and I were walking through um, infertility for that, for that period of 12 years, our hope and our confidence wasn't in doctors, and it wasn't in medicines, and it wasn't in perfect timing. Listen, our hope was in Christ, that he was who he said he was, the assurance that he was who he said he was, and the anticipation that God would do what he said he would do and the fact that Abby was born 13 years ago on Friday didn't mean that if she wouldn't have been born that God wouldn't have been God wouldn't have been real or God wouldn't have been fulfilling his promises but God is God it's anticipation that God will do what he says he will do what are some things some temporary things that we have a tendency to put our hope in today in this life, what are some things that we have, a, we have a tendency to anchor into and place our trust and faith? Paycheck? Money? What else? Family? Job? Now, this is really important, Alex. Because how many of us have placed our faith in persons or people only to be let down by them? I mean, how many of us in this room have placed hope in family and what you thought really wasn't what you got. Or in a relationship. What are some other things we have a tendency to put our, our, uh, our faith or hope in? Government. Government. <laughs> <sighs> I need to sit down on that one. <laughs> government. True. What else? I'm sure glad that the Bible says and the government would be upon his shoulders. Yeah. What else? Who? Your own, okay, abilities, wisdom, your own judgment. Business partner, business deal. Lots of different things. What would you say? Wife. Mm -hmm. Temporary things. Things that have uh, temporary. And we, they're a temporary fix. And how many of us place our hope in those things um, thinking that that will fix what the issue is? You know, I wonder why advertisers spend so much money and spend so much time and try to fill the newspapers this time of the year. You know why? Because they know that people are hopeless and they're thinking that if they'll just buy this one certain thing that they will be hope and everything will work out fine, Sharon. So when you go to the newspaper today, you'll find a stack full of, of advertisements about different things that are for sale. How many of you have ever bought something thinking that that was just the cure-all and all of a sudden, a few days later, you felt now worse off than you did because now you got the bill to pay for something that you thought would fix whatever your problem was, only to fix that it didn't fix it, but now you got to pay for it. Yeah. 
temporary. This is what Paul had to say in reference to riches. He said in 1 Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world. And as I look across here, we are all rich. And what the scripture is having to say, we all are rich because you know what defines rich? Rich is having more than what you need. That's what it was. Rich was having more than, than the day's supply. Rich is more than what we need. And he was saying, those teach those who are rich in this world, all of us, not to be proud and not to trust, trust or hope in their money, which is so unreliable. I mean, we trust in toys. We trust in retirement nest, nest eggs, investments. How many of you ever trusted in an investment only the next day to find out it was all gone? Yeah. Yeah, people that have years and years have built up a nest egg or a retirement account only to realize that when they retired, something happened in that retirement, that dependent, that what they had to place their dependency on was all of a sudden gone. Then what do you do? I have a friend of mine that's 60 years old. He's placed his, uh, he's developed over the past 60 years of his life, he's developed this nest egg and he thought it was not only a nest egg for him, but it was a nest egg for his family. Now it's not there. So the age of 60, he doesn't have any health insurance. He doesn't, is lacking in resources that he's had the rest of his life. And now he's saying, I'm going to have to go back to work. I thought it was all taken care of. Now, it's temporary. But what would happen if our trust was in something that was certain, dependable, consistent, and eternal? So that's what we're going to talk about today is hope. And what I want to do is I want to give you five things, five practical things that what I think you can do is if you'll apply these to your life, that, the, that your hope meter will go up. Because if our, our hope is in Christ, then what are some things, some practical things that I can do? Jimmy, what is something that you can do in your life that if you utilize this, all of a sudden you'll, you'll see your hope meter begin to rise? And that you realize, because see, it's more than just trusting in Christ. It's more than saying, you know, Mike Tucker saying, I, I want to give my life to Christ and I want to follow, follow Christ. There's, there's got to be some action involved in this process because Dale's not always going to be nice. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. The kids aren't always going to do what you think they should do. You know, maybe the bills might not get paid. So there might be something that's going to happen. So how do you anchor in? And if I'm going to anchor in, what does that look like? And what are some practical things that I might be able to do in my relationship with God that will secure, anchor in, hold me tight? So we're going to talk about maybe five practical ways to apply hope hope of Christ, the hope of the Lord in your life. And so that's what I want to do. So five things. You might want to write these down because I'm going to go through them and we're going to end up with a video that I think is a phenomenal video today because this is what I know. Every one of us will go through times of hopelessness and despair. I don't care who you are and I don't care what your name is and I don't care what you've got in your back pocket. You will go through times of difficulty and you're going to be looking for some place to turn but in that time, I want you to remember that hope has been born. And you don't have to look any further than that. So five things that I want you to look at. The first one we want to take a look at today is God's presence. How many of us are believers, yet we fail to practice and experience God's presence on a regular basis? Now, just think about that. I mean, there are some of us that will say, well, you know, I had this experience with the Lord when I sense God's presence, where do you run? Where do you run? How much time do you spend seeking out 
the Lord, seeking His presence. I mean, I don't know what you do or how you do that. Sometimes, sometimes for me, um, seeking God's presence is turning on a, a specific worship CD that I have that I just listen to the Lord. Now, you know, for me, Bob Paget, that was, you know, Steve, that was staying up and listening to the Gaithers at 11 o'clock. I mean, I like contemporary worship service, but I like the Gaithers, but they're not on at 11 o'clock no more, so I don't have to stay up at 11 o'clock and listen for the Gaithers. But I love to listen, and sometimes, man, that worship music, the songs of faith speak to my heart and just reminds me of God's presence and the fact that He's there. Um, when, you, when you walk through times, how many of us turn to the Lord or do we turn elsewhere? How many times do we turn to the Lord when we're seeking, we're seeking answers about issues or we're seeking comfort? But what I found, what I found is that as I spend intentional time seeking God's presence, whatever it may be, whether it's spending time in the Word, whether it's spending time just listening, when I focus my attention on the Lord and listen to this and write it down, it's not the fact that my problems become less, but my God becomes bigger. Are you with me? When I spend my time and I try to put away everything else and say, God, I want to I I hear your voice. It's not the fact that my problems change or they even become less, but my God becomes bigger. Wow. My God gets bigger. See, we think that worshiping God is singing a couple of songs on Sunday morning. We think that worshiping God is attending church as many times as possible to tell people how many times you've been to church. And you can come to church and you can sing the songs and miss it. How much time do you speak, do you spend seeking after God's presence in the quietness of moments? Do you do that? Can you imagine what it would be like if we practiced running Him to Him for answers instead of to other people? What it would be like to seek God's presence not just when times were tough, but that we would seek Him daily. See, this is what I know, because I know who I am. Some of my most intimate moments with the Lord are when I'm walking through difficulties. Is that like you? When you've walked through a time and you have no other place to turn, but what would it be like that if it wasn't just in those difficult times, but it was daily that I sought after God's presence? wasn't just when I'm in the conflict with Meredith or when the kids aren't doing what they're doing or, or things aren't going the way that we think they should be going, but every day I was seeking after the presence of God, saying, God, I want to hear your voice. Because when I seek after him, my problems don't get smaller, but he gets bigger. Isaiah said this in 40, 31, but those who trust or hope in the Lord will refine new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. Um, when Abby was young, uh, she would cry and cry because she would always be afraid of the dark. There was always a booger man up under this bed or he was in the closet. There was always some, something going on. She was a fraidy cat. So I, I got this Bible verse out of the Psalms. It says, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. So I taught her that verse, and sometimes Meredith and I would be, and we'd hear, I'm a, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. When I, Daddy, I'm still afraid. <laughs> so I'd go in the room, and I'd look up under the bed, and I'd look in the closet, and I'd sit down on the bed. And you know what brought her the, the peace? Well, you know what brought her comfort? It wasn't the words that I taught her, but it was the presence of her daddy. 
Are you with me? Seeking after the Lord, the presence of your Father. There's hope. And when you do that, your hope meet arises. Second thing, God's promises. God's word is filled with have you, have you ever, ever, ever thought about spending time in, in God's Word like being on a, going on a treasure hunt? How many of you guys have a metal detector and like to go do that, go find stuff? You know, I talk to the kids. Some of them, my kids, they, they talk about going on treasure hunt or finding this or I want to be an archaeologist. I figure Abby said one time she wanted to be a, uh, what was it, an ar- uh, uh, what's the one that looks for bones? But not a, It's not an archaeologist. What is it? Anthropologist. I said, honey, that'll never happen because the dead people. She goes, well, I don't want to do that. You know, but have you ever thought about spending time in God's Word? Not something that you have to do to go memorize, so that you can tell people what you know or demonstrate how much you know. But that spending time in God's Word and 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 reading God's Word was like digging for nuggets of truth. It's like a treasure hunt. And those words of truth, the promises of God, are trust. Worthy. If there's anything that's dependable, it's God's word. Joshua records this, not a single one of all the good, good promises the Lord had given the family of Israel was left unfilled, but everything that he had spoken came true. God's word tells us not only what's right, what's not right, but how to get right and how to stay right is what the scripture says. And if there's one thing that we know today, a man's word is not what it used to be, is it? No. See, there is no business deals these days that are done over a handshake like it used to be. I know people that have done multi-million dollar deals that I've talked to. And I said, well, how did that work out? They said, no lawyers, no insurance agents. It was a handshake, multi-million dollar deals. And I said, well, they said, you know, it was a man's word. Was just, it was important. It was trustworthy. You could depend on it. God's word is dependable. It's trustworthy. Um, how many of us, and I've told, you this, I've told you this before, how many of us have been through that time where we have felt isolated, we have felt lonely, we have felt unappreciated, we have felt abandoned, we have felt forgotten, we felt insignificant. And yet, When we spend time in God's Word, you know what His promises would tell us? That's a lie. And how many times do we have to take the feelings that we have, the things that sometimes are thrown our way, and we have to use God's Word to find out what the truth is? Because the truth, if you were to uncover that, you would find out that no, I haven't been forgotten, and no, I am significant, and no, I have not been abandoned. Are you with me? And so God's Word and the promises of God are so so vitally important. And so my question is, is that how many of us don't have a regular time of spending in God's Word, but you need to develop that time? Or maybe you've had that time in days past, but now because of everything that's going on, you don't have a daily time or a regular time where you're spending digging for the truths of God. There's multitudes of resources. I don't care if it's daily bread going on the city. And if you're not signed up on the city, you need to be a part of the city so that you can find out things from time to time. Uh, We use it as a resource for us at Heritage. And even on the city, there's a a place up under one of the line items, Bible, where there's multiple, multiple Bible readings and Bible studies that you can do. Daily Bread, there's a book called Jesus Calling that you get. It's a, it's a you know, for $9, it gives you a whole year of, of just devotionals that remind us of the presence of God and God's promises. 
It's there for children as well. You know, you've got the parent queue. If you've got children in the, in the parents' environments, for parent queue for $1.99, I think, is what, isn't that what it is? $1.99. You have access to all the things that our kids are going through on a, on a weekly basis. And there's some resources that you can use there. Drive time and as your meal time sitting around the table. There's videos that are on there that you can watch. There's questions that you can ask that tie you in. There are t- multitudes of resources that are out there. But you've got to take the initiative to access those resources. It's not enough to come to church on Sunday, guys. It's just not enough. But we all need those verses that help us because there are going to be times that we struggle that we're going to need to know what God's Word has to say about those issues. For instance, when when you are afraid, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. That's what the psalmist said, or, or, or he said this in Psalms 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? Know that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who, who loved us. Or when you're sick, anybody ever been sick? I mean, do you turn to doctors for help? How many of you have ever understood that what the Scripture has to say, that God is our help? That I will praise his holy name. I will praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me, for he forgives my sins and he heals my diseases. Or financial issues. You know, you go through financial issues, and Mark does a phenomenal job with doing financial peace. And if you're, you're struggling with financial peace, we want to be able to give you a, or financial issues. We want to be, be able to give you a tool that will help you in that. I mean, it's a reality, man. Finances hurt. True? Yeah. So we just don't want to stick our head in the sand. I always get tickled. Can you see that brand-new car so-and-so's driving? Let me tell you what. With every brand-new so-and-so, there's a brand-new bill. Some of the richest people are some of the poorest people. They asked me one of the questions, what did you learn? What did you learn most from Nicaragua? And I said, I'm reminded that we are a nation of plenty that acts as if we have nothing. Yet they're a nation of nothing that acts as if they have plenty. Need to be reminded of that. But when you're dealing with financial issues, to be reminded of what Paul said, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all of my needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. From time to time, people will say, you know, we were blessed the other day to have, have a group that gave some finances for Beyond the Walls to help us feed um, and do the work at Beyond the Walls. It was one of the local bars, and somebody said, I can't believe you'd take that. I said, why? They said, well, that's the devil's money. I said, no, it's not. The Bible says that everything is the Lord's. Everything. I'm thankful that we got some people that would care enough. You know what? who hangs out sometimes at the local bars is people that think there are no hope. People like us that have told them that you're not worthy. Help us. Help us. Goes on in time of stress. Anybody under stress right now? Having to go to birthday parties or Christmas parties that you don't want to go to because there's people there you don't like and they don't like you, but you're having to smile. You ever been there? Yeah, that's a challenge in our Christian walk, isn't it? Under stress, and this is what Paul said, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace guards our hearts as we live in Christ Jesus. Or the psalmist wrote this, 119.81, I am worn out waiting for your rescue. But I've put my hope in your word. Where did he say he put his hope? 
in your word. Lamentations 3.21, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never end. His mercies never cease. And then that great hymn, great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each and every morning. You know, and, and here's, the, here's the challenge, that next time you get ramped up about something, instead of running to your buddies to find out what they think about a certain thing, how about turning to the Scriptures to find out what the Lord says about it? Daily, on a regular basis. Every day, spending time looking for that nugget, the promise of God. See, it's something that we can apply to our heart. And you know, when we begin to apply God's Word to our heart, you know what happens? Julie, you know what happens? All of a sudden, that hope meter begins to rise, and the anchor becomes more secure. Here's a third thing, God's promise, or God's process. How many of us, it's hard to understand, but God uses the difficulties that we walk through to help us grow up. We've talked about that in, in spiritual growth, that circumstances of life are one of the ways that God grows us up. And if I were to sit down and if I were to evaluate you and we were to talk today about you know, a time in your life that you seem to grow the most, let me tell you what, it probably won't be at the time that everything was going well. But the time that you would probably identify that you grew the most was probably, as you look back on it, the time that you were in desperate need. It would be in a time that you, that you had no other place to turn. And yet your intimacy with the Lord grew because you opened yourself up and you said, God, I'll trust you. So many times, you know, you'll see the football players and, you know, they'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I just want to praise God. And, and we'll say, God, if you'll let me throw that winning touchdown or if you'll let me do that one business deal, then I'll just give you all the glory and all the praise. Let me tell you what, the victories are won in the battlefield in the darkest of places because that's when God's light shines the brightest, when those of us that call ourselves believers still trust in him in the midst of darkness. God's process. Paul said in, in Romans 5, 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Rejoice <laughs> when I run into problems and trials? Are you kidding me? That's what he said. For we know that they help us develop endurance. See, that's one thing about the Christian walk that we don't always exhibit is endurance. See, we're quick about making that decision when, about, I want to follow Jesus, man. I'll, I'm there. I want to follow Jesus. But how many of us over time we, we lose endurance? How many people start off good out of the, out of the starting block but, but seem to, to wane? That's one of the reasons now we've got starting point. We've got some people that are teaching that and leading that on Sunday mornings because we know that. I mean, people are turning and they're looking for anything when it didn't turn out their way. How many times do people, when it doesn't turn out their way, Melissa, you've been there. It didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. So what you did is you said, okay, God didn't do what I thought he was going to do when I thought he was going to do it, how he was going to do it. So instead of running to him, you begin to turn away from him and run. But what the difficulties do in life is when we acknowledge them. Here Paul says, listen, it has a way, those circumstances are producing endurance and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. But how do we come to understand that difficulty is part of God's process of growing us up? 
And sometimes we're just sharing. What we do is we ask the wrong questions. Sometimes we say, God, why are you doing this to me? Instead of saying, God, what is it you want me to see? And still remaining faithful. Ever been there, Hillary? Yeah. God, what is it? Instead of, why are you doing this to me? God, is it, what is it you want me to see? What is it you want me to, to see? I had somebody in my, in my office this past week, and this is a, I mean, I, I experience this on a daily basis, and it's not in the lives of other people. Guys, I've been there where I felt hopeless, and I've been there when I've been distraught, and I've been there when I felt like, man, this is ridiculous. This, cra- this is crazy. But this is what I've come to learn. The guy said, it's hopeless. He said, it's just hopeless. There's no sense. And I said, I smiled and he said, what are you smiling about? You don't understand. I go, yeah, I do understand. But it's not hopeless. See, with Jesus, it's hopeful. Without Jesus, it's hopeless. But you're not without Jesus. I'm hopeful. Romans 8, 28, that God is at work in all things. God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. They always tell us what they tell us in football, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Listen, if you, if you really gain something, it's going to cost you something. But in the costing of something, it's going to help us develop. It's going to encourage us that when we go through suffering, it has a way of producing hope. So as Tom would say, don't waste that opportunity. Don't waste it. That when those difficult times and when those circumstances come your way, understand that it's part of God's process and it helps us anchor in stronger so that we're safe and secure. So we've got God's presence, God's promises, God's process, and the fourth thing is God's purpose. Why? What are you living for? Another paycheck? To go to school every day and to teach? To fulfill the responsibilities? Are you, are, you, are you living for the next vacation? Are you living for uh, that next fishing trip? Are you living for the next time that you get your nails done or your hair done, ladies? Are you, are you living for that next vehicle? Are you, are you, what, what is it that you're putting your hope and your trust in? What are you living for? Have you ever thought about maybe why God created you? And it wasn't just to draw another paycheck, or it wasn't just to, to live to that next event. But there's more to this life than this life. And it's more than a lot of times than what we have the ability to experience. See, our purpose isn't just about doing, but it's about who we are becoming. Have you ever thought about your purpose in life? Just as God chose the Israelite people to be a light to the nation so that others would come to place their trust in God. That now as a believer in Christ, that I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be a light and to be an influence wherever I am. Regardless of your position, regardless if it's a, 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 regardless if it's a business owner or regardless if it's a, a teacher at a school or regardless if it's at a coach on a baseball field, regardless if it's a musician or wherever it may be, wherever you may be serving, that, on, that if you're serving in a small group environment with our children, that it's more about filling a spot, that it's about being a light. That if it's in a, a place of work, that when Mark's teaching, you know, golf and, and, and he's out here giving instructions, it's, it's more about, you know, the, the ability of being able to experience the blessing of seeing somebody be able to hit a golf ball straight. But there's, there's something, there's a purpose that's far greater than that that you have the ability to be involved in. 
that it's not about going on mission to Nicaragua, as great as it may be. Man, and feeling good about that. And let me tell you what, people can write all kinds of stories about you. You can find your name in the paper, pictures in the paper. Guys, that's temporary. That's not the one that we want to find our hope in. Our hope, we want to see it, our name written down in the book of life. But our purpose as believers is much larger than that. And if you're living for the temporary, it's going to get awful discouraging because a lot of stuff in this life isn't going to work out the way that you want it to work out. But if we keep before us the purpose in life which God has created us to be a light, to have an influence, can you imagine how exciting all of a sudden life becomes? That it's not just about the job and it's not just about the paycheck, but I have an opportunity to be involved in God's work and to expand His kingdom, to bring hope, not only to understand and experience hope amidst all the difficulty, but to go be able to share that hope, Mark, with somebody else that don't experience it. See, we talk about hope was born, but how many of us don't even believe that? We're just like the other Jews that were walking generation after generation that finally they said, man, it must just be a myth. But I can tell many of you guys have stories in here in this room about God. Steve, you've got a story about God's hope. I know that. I've heard your story. Rick, and I've heard your story. And Alex, I've heard your story. And Don, and yours, and yours, and yours. I've heard multitudes of stories. But how many times do we not share that story like we have the opportunity to do? Man, our purpose is so much greater than that. That when we walk out these doors on Sunday, it's not, well, man, that was a really good sermon. I just enjoyed that. Man, that's worthless unless we're on the outside being who God's called us to be and doing what God's called us to do and offering hope to the world around us. There's a greater purpose, a greater purpose. You know, we talked about core values, kingdom perspective. What am I doing to advance God's kingdom today? Not what am I doing to try to create another program. What am I doing to advance God's kingdom? How am I using the gifts and talents that God has given me on the baseball field, in the classroom, you know, in the place of business, whether it's in politics or wherever it may be? How am I advancing God's kingdom, even if it's in the chiropractic office? What am I doing to advance God's kingdom? Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. A hope. Paul said in Ephesians 5, I've talked about imitating Christ and to live a life full of love. And you know what happens when all of a sudden you begin to live out that purpose? Man, your anchor becomes more secure. God's presence and His promise and His process. Wow. Security. Trust. Hope. Last thing is this. Focus on God's place. If you've not figured this out, this life on this earth is temporary. The older I get, my dad said the other day, he said, once you hit 50, man, it just goes downhill from there. I said, I got one more year. He said, but time moves so fast, and it just don't stop. And how many of us have spent so much time on the temporary of what's here, but to understand that our ultimate hope isn't here, but it's here? How many of us live as if it's all about what happens here on this earth? You know, Jesus talked about, we talk about 
a specific place, and we're going to talk about God's place next week when we talk about heaven. You're like, you're going to talk about heaven at Christmas? Oh, yeah. It's a great time to talk about heaven. But God's place, eternity. If all we're living for on this earth is what happens here, we're missing out. Because this earth is temporary. But when we set our, t- our sights on eternity in heaven, when things on earth don't go as planned, <laughs> we aren't destroyed. Because I'm going to promise you, there are going to be some things that happen in this life that don't go the way that you want them to go. So what are you going to do? Our hope isn't this earth and what happens here, but our focus should be on heaven. And again, we'll talk about that next week. But where is your hope? We talked about some things earlier that we have a tendency to put our hope in that are temporary, but where is what are you hoping in today? Are you anchored into the hope of Christ? It's an anchor for our soul. This is what Paul had such a good way of describing so many things, but he said, you know what? That there's no other foundation laid than that which is Jesus Christ. It's solid. It's secure. It's not going to be shaken. A little bit later, he would share in Ephesians, he said, together we are his house built on the foundation, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And this is what I know. Many of us struggle, and it's not because we don't love the Lord, and it's not because we don't want to obey Him. It's just because we're anchored into the wrong things. And so I've given you five things today that I'm going to ask you this week. Take one, just take one. If you want to enlarge your hope, if you want to be anchored in and you want to be strong and secure, take one of these five things that I've given you. And this, they're not in a specific order. They're not in a specific order of importance. But if you want your hope to be secure and strong, take one of these five things and say, this week, this is what I'm going to work on. This week, I'm going to work on God's presence. I'm going to, I'm going to just as much as possible, I'm going to seek God's presence. And I'm going to do that and think about how you're going to do that. This week, I'm going to, I'm going to seek and I'm going to spend time and I'm going, to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to read God's promises and I'm going to create a regular time in my schedule. I've not been doing that. I sort of sporadically hit it. And I'm off of it, and I do it sort of as I go through difficulties. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to create a regular habit of doing that because I want to, I want to be seeking after God's Word. Or maybe it's the process. Maybe you're going through something right now, and, and, and you've been talking to everybody about it instead of who you should be talking to about it. Maybe you don't see it as a part of growth, but all of a sudden you're going to say, listen, I'm not going to run from this, but I'm going to run into it because I know, God, you've got something for me and you want me to grow. And so in the midst of this, I'm not going to run from it, but God, I'm going to run to it because you're growing me up. I'm going to endure. You're going to put me through this so that I can, in the midst of the pain, that I will learn endurance, that my hope will grow. And God's purpose, you know, man, I've been drawing a paycheck. But all of a sudden, I'm not going to draw a paycheck. I'm going to live as if God's got me on a mission. I'm going to see my workplace as a place of mission. That I'm going to live out my Christian life there and understand that God's placed people in my sphere of influence, that I have an opportunity to build a relationship, an intentional relationship, with the opportunity of sharing Christ. Not just, I've got hope, but I'm going to give it to somebody else too. Sharon Bales does such an awesome job at that. At Chick-fil-A, 
So many people standing across that register and talking to people. She, she loves on people and she encourages people. And I see it and I hear it all the time. See the opportunities before us that God's created us with a purpose, but also a place that I'm just not going to live for today, but I'm living for with eternity in mind. So I want to challenge you this week. Pick one of those things. For those of you that are believers, one of those things to, to become stronger and more secure in your hope in Christ. One of those things. Um, because this is what I know. I don't care how long you've been a believer. It's easy to become distracted and to find yourself in a situation when hope was born. See, for some of us that are believers in here, we need to be reminded of this because it's easy from time to time to be shaken. Can you imagine what it would have been like to the people that were expecting the Messiah and that anticipated his, his arrival year after year, day after day, yet didn't, expect, didn't, didn't experience it? Yet he's come. He's come. He was born in a manger, the Christ child. And we don't have to look any further. That our hope isn't in the myth, but it's in the truth of the gospel. And we have access to him. Isn't that unbelievable? We spend so much time and so much effort looking for hope when he was born. For those of us that are believers, take it out the door and share it. For those of you that have not experienced and don't know him, what is it that keeps you from even today saying, I don't know, but I can tell you this, I want to know. Because I want hope. I want hope. Would you bow with me today? Father, what a great day it is to be reminded that in the midst of this holiday season that God is with us, that he was born, that we don't have to wish, but he's here. A confident hope of something that's secure, of something that's real, our hope in Christ. For those of us that are followers of Christ this next week, what I pray is that we'll deepen, we'll deepen our hope, and our hope meter will go up by practicing one of the things that we've talked about, that we will continue to persevere and endure, that we'll become stronger, not just to hold on to the hope that we profess, that, Lord, that we'd be willing to understand the responsibility of sharing that, that we would be willing to, to, to live with purpose Live with purpose to understand the responsibility of sharing that hope with others. For the person that here that doesn't know Christ, the beginning of that relationship is, is begins, it, that relationship begins with the acknowledgement of sin, the acknowledgement that, no, I can't save myself. But I believe that hope was born and that Jesus came and lived among us, as the scriptures teach us. And he died on a cross for my sins so that I might have a relationship with God and that my sins might be forgiven. If you're here today and that's you, a relationship with God begins with that acknowledgement. 
And it's not just about a prayer that you pray, but it's, it's that heartfelt, I believe, and I want to follow. You can do that even today, right there where you are. Just tell him. If you make that type of a decision, would you tell me this morning? There are some of you here that, that have made decisions to follow Christ, but you've not followed through in what, we would, what the Scripture talks about in believers' baptism. What an unbelievable opportunity this holiday season to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him, and I've made that decision, but I want to let everybody know on the outside what's going on on the inside that, that I have identified with Jesus, and I want to follow him. I want to be a Christ follower. Maybe you're here today, and that's you. You've made that decision, but you've never been baptized, and you say today, I want to be baptized. Come see me afterwards. Father, what a great day it is, and as your people, we live with an inheritance, an inheritance that's been given to us that will never waver or never fade. I'm praying, Lord, that we live as your ambassadors and that because of our presence, that, Lord, that we would bring peace, comfort, and hope to the world because of our relationship with you. Use us this next week. I'm praying that we'll practice some of the things that we've talked about, and as a result, our hope meter will enlarge. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you that hope came down. That's why we celebrate Christmas and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.